everybody, and welcome to Comic Club, your friendly neighborhood comic book podcast. I'm your host, Blaine McGaffigan, and I'm joined, as always, by Adam, trained by the swordsman, Cook. I'm trained by the swordsman. I live by the sword. I die by the sword. I love the band, The Sword. All will fall. Great to be here, Blaine. <laughs> All will fall, Adam. I love that intro. Your energy's killing it today. We are streaming live from New York City. Quick warning. We're spoiling this month's comic, so proceed with caution. Adam, before we get into it, how's it going over there for you? How you doing, buddy? I'm good, man. Uh, it's hotter than hell down here in Austin. It's probably not that much better in Dallas, I'm guessing, but man, I'm doing good. Awesome. Well, we have a kick-ass comic this week, so Adam, take it away. What did we read this month? This month, we read A Hawkeye Run by Matt Fraction and David Aha, where we saw Clint Barton take on the tracksuit Draculas to defend his apartment building. Helping him out is his young protege, Kate Bishop, who gets her own arc as a one-time private eye in a side story that eventually comes into full collision with Clint's problems, leading to a violent, climactic showdown. I really dug this comic, Blaine. What'd you think? Dude, this was incredible. I was obsessed. We have a lot of art art awards for you guys today because David Aha is brilliant. And him and Matt Fraction's pairing, where Matt Fraction kind of brings the humor, very funny book, and then these panels and the layouts of these pages are sick. And it's just dripping with a New York... 70s pulp vibe, right? It's like taxi driver world. And it's, I, I love this. We said it last time, but it's like what the Avengers do when they're not avenging. You know, Captain America, he's probably not doing stuff like this, but I'm, I love these. You get the, you get the end of like Avengers fight where uh, Hawkeye like accepts his like pager that says Avengers, like come help us. And you don't get to see what he does with the Avengers, but you see him after and he's like in a hospital or he's yeah. got like all these band-aids over his face. And it's just the real Clint Barton. And this is my first time meeting the real Clint Barton. And I thought it was just incredible. Yeah, I felt the same way because I had never really you know, dug into a Clint Barton a Hawkeye run. And honestly, I feel like even when I had read Avengers stuff, he barely had a presence at all. So to get him, especially to get his own story was super fun. And yeah, I didn't even really think about that connection to this whole 70s New York and kind of that Scorsese vibe. Yeah. It's just all like gray buildings. And that's a really good call. And man, David Aha, his artwork is so dynamic it's like it's it could be really different kind of from you know from issue to issue kind of really depending on what it called for and i was just i was blown away and so you're just so interested seeing what he's going to do next and so i mean i think this was about around 22 issues and the breadth of it is so different i mean like you mentioned there's a kate bishop in la where there's a different artist and it goes noir there's like a noir story for a bit but these first five issues I remember is like, there's just like really iconic stuff where they like go to a circus. There's like a circus scene where, you know, you learn a little bit. Um, there's one where it's just a complete car chase and it's like the nine, uh, the nine like mistakes I made today and it counts backwards. Yeah. And it's just like really clever storytelling. Yeah. The structures were really unique. I feel like. 
I mean, I'm really impressed with Matt Fraction as a writer. Like you can tell that this guy is really talented in the way that he approaches story and is doing some really unique things because it's, you know, you can get by in comics, especially when you're doing kind of the cape and cowl stuff with sticking to the formula, like the formulas work. Yes. And they're, you know, proven for a reason, but it's really nice when someone decides to step out and kind of do their own thing and something like that car chase. I love the structure of that. It's so clever and it's probably just so much fun to write. And yeah, it's fun to see. Um, I like how a lot of these would start and we'll get back to this in the art awards, but I like how they would start in the middle of the story kind of, you're just thrown into it. Like you, like you wake up and something's happening. Yeah. And then it would be these time jumps sort of back and forth. And you really had to kind of do some, you had to be paying attention and think, okay, where are we in time? And the colors did a lot of work there too. Matt Hollingsworth would kind of, um, you know, uh, present day was this tone. And then the past was this color tone. And it kind of just informed a little bit, but then the, you know, the thoughts of Clint Barton and the way he described what was going on was just so smart and so clever the way it tied. And just like, again, the boomerang arrow get introduced at the beginning of both the issue and the whole book. And then it comes back at the end of that issue and that the whole book itself. And it was just little tricks like that is like just storytelling, like perfection to me you know whenever the payoffs are just so clean and you don't see it coming and then whenever it hits you're just like Mwah. yeah another one of those late payoffs was the coin snap yes that's yes. so early on and then yes. it like saves the day at the end and i'd almost forgotten about it yes. at that point i just no, love the way that came back it's so interesting. And I just uh, listened to a Matt Fraction and David Aha interview, and they were talking about that a little bit. And he was just talking about grounding this book so much in reality. Again, this is Clint Barton. He lives in an apartment. He's not a billionaire. He's just a dude who's getting beat up all the time. I mean, he's like breaking limbs and stuff with the Avengers. He's barely skating by. He's getting concussions and stuff. And um, it's talking about like no taxi in New York would pick up a dude who has a compound bow on his back. Like that's insane. So we had to make sure that he was equipped in other ways. And so they give him the coin and the cards at the beginning. He throws cards um, as well, just to make sure that he's a weapon in a lot of different ways and he can hold his own, you know, outside of just being the sharpshooter. I thought that was really smart. I thought it was too, and I thought that was a really good tie-in also with his, like, carny background. Yes. Because that card throwing especially, but the coin, it seems like something, I don't know if that is a real kind of carny trick or if, you know, you can actually smash a bottle with a coin. Yeah. Um, maybe something the Mythbusters could check out for us. Yeah. If they're still doing that, are they still busting? I don't know if they're still busting. I don't know. But... um it was really smart, I thought, and yeah, really grounded in reality, and I love that he gets hurt. I love it when he just gets the shit beat out of him. And then there were repercussions, too, because he loses his hearing towards oh, the end. You yeah. know, he has, a, he has a hearing aid, and um, that was really artfully done. I, that was something I remember reading about when we were prepping for the very mm-hmm. at the very beginning of this, was that Hawkeye had a little arc to him where he was, you know... Uh, a hero with a hearing aid and was he yeah. maybe the first or one of the first. Mm-hmm. And um, when that came in, I forgot that that was a Hawkeye sort of attribute. And it was really interesting the way it came in, the way it worked in and kind of now he has a lasting effect off of all those, you know, getting the shit beat out of him instances. Yeah. 
But this this sort of boots on the ground, I just can't keep saying it because it just seems so distinct because so many superheroes alternate realities are again either bill either either billionaires on this side or they're kind of like you know Matt Murdock you know they're lawyers they're kind of involved in something and just the way they build this drama of the apartment complex you know it 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 kind of is the the place that fits the whole time he lives in this apartment and the tracksuit draculas are trying to kick out so they can kind of take over this area of New York i think kingpins a little bit involved there as well and he just decides that he wants to look out for these people. And the apartment dwellers, they were just, again, not even from like a writing standpoint. A lot of times it would just be David Aha. They were so distinct. There was like a punk rock girl. There was a family, a single mother. And there was uh, grills, you know, yeah. like the, the guy on top. They just had these really distinct personalities and it made you care. And that thread played throughout the whole book. Yeah, it had a good sense of kind of feeling lived in. Something that I feel like I've talked about with, you know, some of my like screenwriter friends is that when you come into a series, you want to get the sense that it's already existed before you're yes. there, right? Yes, absolutely. All right. Well, let's pop over. We're going to have a lot of great things to say about David Aha coming up, but let's talk about the writing. This is the best lines, the section of the show where we showcase the written word and highlight our favorite moments of dialogue, exposition, and more. Adam, kick it off. What is your first best line? I really liked how a lot of these issues started with the same thing. And this is, you know, a nod to our segment that's coming up later. The best at what they do is, you know, it's that's how all these Wolverine comics would start, right? I'm the best at what they do and what I, I'm the best at what I do and, you know, what I do is hurting people. Yes. And um, that's how the, a lot of these would start with this phrase, okay, this looks bad. And it's just always something that Clint is, he's in the middle of a terrible situation. He's in a car chase. He's diving through the water, yes. getting shot by bullets. Take your pick. But it's always him, you know, in a jam and then having to explain himself and why it's not as bad. And it just like adds a little moment of levity and also kind of is very telling to his character, always finding himself in the wrong place at the wrong time. And I really love that structure. It's just a nice little character line. And, and it's his chaotic nature. It, it's just like he can't help himself but get into these. And then he has to kind of explain his way out of it. Or it's not my fault. Or this kind of happened to me. And that's something he's constantly doing with Kate as well, his ward. Which right. I, I love that line. Maybe that word doesn't mean what I think it means. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, that's what he's constantly doing with her is he's constantly like putting his foot in his mouth, like saying like, you're just someone I don't want to sleep with or whatever. Yeah. And, you know, th okay, this looks bad. And then he has to like backtrack and explain why. And I just, it, it's such a great character line. So I, I, I love that so much. Mine is simple, Adam. And, and I wanted to call this one out. Uh, you'll see for a couple of reasons. The first thing we see, or the second thing we see, Clint Barton, it, it's, this is the title card. So basically, I'm just going to read to you the title card of this. Clint Barton, a.k.a. Hawkeye, became the greatest sharpshooter known to man. He then joined the Avengers. This is what he does when he's not being an Avenger. That's all you need to know. And to me, we always talk about the history of these characters. There's so much continuity. You can go back and yes, he died. Then he came back in House of M. If you're interested in House of M, go back and listen to our episode about that. 
his, you know, he's got a brother, Barney, he was a carny, all these things. You don't need to know any of that. And frankly, I didn't know any of that. I didn't know anything about Hawkeye. I didn't know anything about Clint Barton. And now I'm a super fan because I was just, you know, you hit the ground running with with your best line, and then here you are. You get to know him in this book, and I think it's the power of this book is just how much characterization they gave Clint Barton without getting mired in backstory. Yeah, it's such a good point because you can, when you care about the present, you don't need to explain the past so in depth. There was one line that I almost, I had teed up to, you know, potentially use, and it was a very similar vibe. It was when he was introducing Kate Bishop, Mm -hmm. and he says... Kate took over for me as Hawkeye once upon a time when I was, well, dressing up like a ninja, sort of, is the short version. And that's it. Like, that's all you get. And that's all you need. It doesn't really matter. So I I really like that. And then the super fans know. They're like, oh, that was when he was Ronin during during Civil War. Whenever he was on the New Avengers, you can go down the rabbit hole, but you don't need to know. You don't need to know. But if you want to know, just Google it, guys. (laughs) What do you got? All right, so the next one I got, I thought this was like a really funny exchange. A lot of funny scenes in this um, in this run, but this one was between Hawkeye and one of his neighbors, Grills, and it's kind of like a little who's on first, yeah. um, like circular conversation <laughs> yes. where Grills keeps messing up his name and he says, he says, in, you know, enjoy the season, Hawk Guy. He keeps calling him Hawk Guy. And he's like, wait, are you calling me Hawkeye or Hawk Guy? And he says, you're Hawk Guy. You're Hawk Guy. And, and Clint says, I. And he says, yep. And he says, I, I. And he says, you, you, Hawk Guy. <laughs> and he finally goes, just like on MASH. And Hawk Guy yeah. just goes, right. And yeah. He just comes up. I really thought that was funny, Hawkeye. Hawk I mean, there, guy. There, there were some legit like laugh out loud moments. It, isn't there another thing? Was grills and they were like grills because he grills, or there was something along yeah. the lines of that too. But just that's like, what's of, your name? And he's like Gil. Oh, that's what it was. <laughs> <laughs> that that just like wordplay and like. <laughs> That interaction is just so real and so funny. It feels like a sitcom or like a TV show. And it's so like unnecessary for a comic story. But when you see it, like it becomes the best line. I mean, I I love that so much. Yeah, that was a a fun one. What do you got for your next choice? Um, And God, I just can't get over Hawkeye. Like that's that's just perfect. Because that that could have been his name in another universe. Um, Absolutely. Okay, this is whenever Hawk Guy he decides to go take down the tracksuit Draculas and he goes to, you know, their area of town and they have a strip club and he busts in and he just starts breaking skulls. He is just ripping it up. He's throwing over tables. He's just going berserk. And there's just an overlay here where he says, you know, because he's trying to help Penny out, the redhead. And he says, there's got to be a better way to tell my girlfriend the thought of a serious relationship makes me nervous. And that was just one that, again, it got me so much because he takes himself kind of, you know, he takes himself so seriously and he wants to help people. And then there's all this romance underneath 
you know, there was like his three X's that whatever issue that was where you have Mockingbird, Spider-Woman, and then Nat, Black Widow. And then, you know, you introduce Penny. And then there's always the, you know, the Ward relationship with Kate. And he just has this really fun kind of like playboy demeanor to him yeah. too that can never figure out a relationship. Like you just know that this dude is horrible at relationships. And again, <laughs> you know, I, I'm afraid of serious relationships and he just goes and just busts up a whole strip club. I love it. That was hilarious. I loved um, when Kate picks him up one time and he's like waiting and he doesn't have his shirt on. And as soon as he gets in, he starts to put it on. And she's like, really? Like, you have just the abs yeah. out and everything. You couldn't have put the shirt on while you were waiting. Just, right, right. Just calling him out just the way yes. that your ward does. Yeah, he's great. the best. All right, my last one um, was towards the very end, and I just thought it was a nice, satisfying line. We got there. There was It was a really tense kind of build up to this climax. Yeah, I didn't really know how it was going to go down. You got this guy, Kaz, Kazzy, the he's clown who was a pretty pretty chilling villain. Turns out the clown trope as a villain just works. Not used up. Not still, used still up. room for it. Yeah. There's still plenty of room. A lot of legs in that. Um yeah. but anyways, so there's a showdown. Clint finally uses his awesome coin trick. He headbutts Kazzy Knocks him out, beats him up, and he's, as he stands over him, he wipes the blood off his mouth. He says, building's not for sale. That is just a great action movie line right there. Classic one-liner. You yeah. got to have them. There's a lot of one-liners in this as well where they're, they're just like quipping around a lot. And that's the, you know, Matt Fraction of it all. Um, I wanted to talk about the clown. Dude. His design is so sick. I love the way he looks. And, you know, again, talking about that 70s pulp movie, the way he has that coat and his silhouette. And then he's got, it's like mime makeup. It's it's, it's kind of like mime. And and there's a scene where he even puts it on. He's like looking in the rearview mirror and he puts on, and then he just, his weapon of choice is the double barrel shotgun that, you know, it takes long to load and you hear the clack whenever he opens it. So effective. Everything from the design, from the sound design to the look and the silhouette is just iconic for me. And I love that character so much. He was a great villain. Sinister. Sinister. I want to see him a lot more. They did a really good job getting his backstory and how, you know, why he became so depraved. Like oh, this. yeah. Just how ruthless he is. Yeah. That, and that was that was an issue illustrated by Francesco Francavilla and... um yeah, you get you get the backstory on him, and yeah, he's brutal. Yeah, really hardcore. He, he's the kind of guy, and I I think they portrayed that a little bit in that end scene where they're um, going through the apartment building. But he's just that character that walks. He's not running. He walks. He's so methodical, and he's a step ahead. And you're running, and you're scrambling, and he's firing shotgun shells at you, and he's just slowly walking through the hallways, knows that he got you. Just steady, you know, he's like freaking terminator yeah. too he's always on the hunt yeah and i mean like he had not a ton of time but he just made such an impression on me i wanted to call him out there next my last best line i wanted to give kate one and um you know this was i got to know kate in this and uh she's going to be appearing in the hawkeye tv show which we're going to talk about here in a sec but i never knew who she was i know she was in young avengers and i really like this sort of like rich a little bit spoiled, 
you know, young, kind of like, I don't know, just this young, rich girl. And she was kind of like, you know, in a little bit entitled, you know, she has her parents. She also has like a little bit of, or she has her father, which, you know, has its own drama uh, inherently in it, as we learn. But I just really thought she was strong. The way that you would keep using the word word, the way that she picked up the mantle and the way they team up, I really, really connected with in a way that I don't think I always do to like, you know, the second and third, like, you know, the Bucky Barnes or, you know, the second person who picks up the mantle. I really just liked her characterization in place. And uh, I just wanted to call out there. And then this is just kind of a funny moment. She's escaping Madame Mask's mansion and um, she's, you know, driving this car. And it's this moment where all of her dialogue in her head is portray- portrayed with these little like chibi, these little like anime Kates that are like making these goofy facial expressions. And she's talking and she says, do the Avengers have an app? They should. I should make it. That's a million dollar idea, Kate. Wait, you're going to charge the Avengers to use an app that draws from their own database? That's dumb. Think, Kate, think. <laughs> and and like all while she is just in this escape chase where oh, there's all those uh, bellhop bad guys like shooting at her and Madame Mask is chasing her. And that is all just playing in her head which shows she is so advanced because she doesn't need to concern herself with like the mundane of the action. And she's just coming up with like app ideas. I don't know. I love that. Yeah. She's so in control of like the physical side of that confrontation that her mind is just running rampant, whatever. Yeah. That was great. I really liked the the side story and I had so much fun with those bellhops. Madam Mask is cool. They got cool villains in this. Like, I feel like it's, you know, you're always looking for more villains in, especially as they do more adaptations. I'd like to see Madame Mask in the mix. Oh God, dude, I, I couldn't agree more. And I, that was one of the things I wanted to call out. I love that they just give Kate a villain. I don't know yeah. if, I don't know if she had a villain, but you know, like a Batman and a Joker, like a Daredevil and a Kingpin, it's good to kind of have an antithesis, somebody who you're always kind of fighting against. And, um, from the very jump, right, Kate uses the mask and ties up Madame Mask. So Madame Mask always has a vendetta against her. Always. And I love whenever she reappears in those LA issues. It was perfect. Yeah. All right. Let's move it over to the best at what they do. This is where we chat about the creators themselves covering how they got started in comics and highlighting their other notable work. First up, we have Matt Fraction. A little bit about his bibliography. He was at Image where he created Sex Criminals with Chip artist Chip Zdarsky, who's now a writer in his own right. That is um, a really popular book, and I believe it's wrapped up in 2020. And it's been one where I've read a first arc, and I've always wanted to revisit. Another one is pretty famous. It's called Odyssey. It's 12 issues with Christian Ward, and it is like this psychedelic sci-fi trip that, you know, highly recommended to check out. Next, we have... He did a little feature in Bitch Planet. The reason I want to mention this is because we did Bitch Planet on a previous episode. And Bitch Planet is written by Matt Fraction's wife, Kelly Sue DeConnick. So go check out that episode of Comic Club. And then last, he has done November most recently with Elsa 
Chartier, and uh, it was from 2019 to 2021, and uh, that's been picking up a lot. I've heard a lot of good things about November. I wanted to read that. Over at Marvel, he's done Uncanny X-Men run. He did The Immortal Iron Fist with David Aha and The Invincible Iron Man. Most recently, which he has won an Eisner Award for, he moved over to DC to do Superman's pal, Jimmy Olsen, uh, for Best Humor Publication. I've heard a lot of great things about that. Both David Aha and Matt Fraction won Best Single Issue or One Shot for Hawkeye number 11, which is Pizza Is My Business. If you remember, that's the issue where Pizza Dog is making his way all throughout the apartment and you the story gets told from his point of view with his sort of senses telling the story, not with words, but with little images. And that was just brilliant storytelling, fascinating. I loved that issue so much. God, it and that just speaks to David Aha's like the the power of the visuals and again no words just using icons, right? Yeah. It, it gave me very Chris Ware vibes if you've read anything by him. It was just fantastic. Um next up David Aha, um again, he did Immortal Iron Fist um and Hawkeye. And then he's done a bunch of different stuff. He's a Spanish illustrator. He's on magazines and publications and big cover artist. He did some covers for Scarlet Witch and most recently X Corp. He's won five Eisner Awards uh, for Best Penciler, Inker, that Best Single Issue, which we just talked about, and then Best Cover Artist from 2013, 2014, and 2016. Last up, we have Matt Hollingsworth. I love this dude. The colors were incredible. There was one... In the back of one of the books where it talked about his thought process about building the colors and how he was trying to be as minimal as possible. And whenever it shows like his full book layouts with all the colors just sitting there and it's all flats, right? There's no gradients in this book and it's just so clean. I love it so much. He's a legend. He's worked on Preacher, right? Huge book, Daredevil with Ed Brubaker. Uh, the Eternals by Neil Gaiman. Go back and listen to our last episode. So he did the colors for that book and he has won an Eisner Award as well. Wanted to call out, the dude lives in Croatia and he's really into home brewing. I went to his website and uh, and he loves home brewing. He runs like home brewing competitions in Croatia. Ooh, interesting. You got into, did you get into home brewing ever? Uh, me and Chris, who you're living with now, yeah. got into home brewing, and um, I dabbled with trying to make a cider, which was just it, it was just basically just like letting apple apple juice ferment. <laughs> but Galus actually did do a little home brewing, and he started with the mother of all beers, Guinness, and it was horrible, and it was a mistake to start there because I mean you can't recreate Guinness. All right. That's going to wrap it up for They're the Best of What They Do. Let's move on over to the Art Awards. This is the segment where we hand out specific art awards for specific visual moments in the book. It can be a single panel. It can be the coloring or lettering. And sometimes it can be a whole scene. Before we do, Adam, I just wanted to call out that David Aha won the uh, the only artist here. There was Annie Wu for the segments whenever they were in LA. There was Francesco Francavilla, like we talked about. And then I loved those issues, the tape. And that was done by Javier Pulido. Just wanted to call out those people. Adam, kick it off. What is your first art award? Man, it was it was hard. I We both came up with a ton, and I had still cut down 
the first one was kind of, there was a really nice blend sort of of the artful side that we like and the kind of design side that we also like. This one was one of the, I think it was, it was either a cover or an interior cover. It's for issue two. And it's kind of like this awesome instructional manual for how to fire a bow and arrow. It's got Hawkeye and there's, you know, a close-up image of his hand hold, pulling back the string and shows arrows pulling which direction he's pulling the string, how he holds the bow in close-up. There's little instructionals for the motions of the arrow, and I just thought that was really fun, so I'm giving that the Instructional Manual Award. Instruction Manual Award? Instructional Manual Award? Instructional Whatever. Manual Award. Uh, we talked about last time, like the graphic design on the covers. Again, David Aha won all those awards, and he's got just this instructional manual. Is perfect, dude. I mean, he just does these really dynamic breakdowns of all this different stuff. I wanted to. I'm going to skip my first award and go straight to my second award because I wanted to pivot off what you just said. This is the award for the AV Award, the Audio of Visual Award, and it's the start of the Christmas scene and there's just this you know big grid of panels and you see red and you see green and you see a green wire and tony stark and he's saying come on clint you can do it clint's like i don't know i don't know i think i'm just gonna cut the green wire and it goes to the next panel and it's just this top down on clint's apartment audio visual equipment is just everywhere and then off to the side you see just like you said, it's like an instruction manual. These red, green, yellow wires plugging into this machine, plugging into the speaker system, which then goes over to the TV, which goes over to this, that he's all trying to plug in so that his parents can, so that his neighbors can watch what, is it dog cops? Yeah, dog cops. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Which is like, everybody's on the edge of their seat. Like, do not spoil dog cops for me. Yeah, they all are obsessed with dog cops. Yeah. Iron Man, Clint. They all love it. Um, that's going to be the AV award. Um, and again, it just speaks to David Aha's really clean kind of breakdowns and the way he portrays just, you know, from pulling a bowstring to plugging in AV equipment. Adam, what do you got next? I love that one. I really love that page that you chose. And I feel like a lot of these pages could have been made into prints, but that one might be my, my top choice for make that into a print. My next award, I'm calling this the time is a human construct award. Okay. Stick with me. Okay. This is an awesome full page spread where Clint and Kate are talking and actually Clint's not talking. Kate's talking and Clint is basically doing archery practice in the basement and he's about to fire three arrows at once. Classic. And, um, you know, they're just checking in sort of, and as he's retracting the bow, we see kind of split up above the images of Clint are smaller images of Kate just moving almost like if you were getting like frame by frame of a, of a movie clip. And she's saying the, what she's saying is, well, that's cool, but it's broken up into letter by letter. There's a letter under each one of her photos as it changes and as she's doing that below her, Clint is retracting and then eventually firing the bow. And so it's showing you that the speed is going it's, yes. it's going so fast that he is just processing her at a slower rate of yes. time. 
And I just thought that was an incredible way to translate that moment. So I'm given that the time is a human construct award. Oh my gosh. I love that call out so much. And it, it is, it's like those, you know, those like primitive films where you look through like that little spinny cylinder and there's just images and then little slots and you like watch the horse running and it shows like the horse, all his feet have left the ground. It's like that where you just are looking at a film, right? And you see every single frame and, um, oh God, that was fascinating. Was it? And that's also when he's kind of like, it's a teaching moment and he splits the arrow for it and bring it back to Mythbusters. She's like, Mythbusters broke that, busted that one. Yeah. You can't do it. Can't be done. Um, yeah, that was brilliant. Um, my next one is going to be called The Line in the Snow Award. And again, this is following the Christmas issue. And it's just this full panel spread when Clint really decides that, you know what? I'm going to make it my mission to protect this apartment and the people that live in it because they have nowhere else to go. I'm not going to let the tracksuit Dracula's, you know, here. And again, we're talking about the apartment as a character because this whole image that I'm looking at here, one page spread is all apartment and Clint is just, you know, he's taking up a, around like a sixth of the panel and he's very small. He's standing there covered in bandages as always. He looks so badass. He just got his bow and no dialogue is on the page. And you just know that this is the moment when he draws the line in the snow and the tracks of Dracula's are going to have to go through him or back down. And I just love that Clint moment. Mm, that was a Beautiful. great moment. Snow's falling. It's the Christmas. And one more thing, sorry. He's got a arrow quiver on his hip. And I was just, like I said, listening to a Matt Fraction and David Aha interview. And whenever they were first doing it, uh, writing the first issue, they were watching a lot of the Olympics, whenever that was, 2006 or whenever. And... No, this wasn't that long ago. It doesn't matter. And they're talking about they have these sick quivers on their hips instead of their backs, right? Because traditionally you think of um, the quivers on your back like Robin Hood or whatever. And here in this panel, he's got it on his hip. Uh, one thing I wanted to call out real fast, Adam, fashion in this book. What did you think about the costumes of the characters? I thought they were cool. They seem like Clint's seem very functional. I like it. I like how Kate was kind of, you know, you can tell that she comes from money and she kind of likes to look fly. Yes. She, she's willing to be stylish. I really liked the the kind of fun and, you know, I guess stylish is the best way to put it. But it made sense that she would go to L.A. and sort of be thriving in this world of, of beautiful people and high fashion. Yeah. And same thing we talked about with the clown, how just like these little these little things can say so much about a person or just become iconic is Kate's just aviators, right? She just wears the aviator glasses and it's like, oh, that's Kate Bishop. I loved at the end, she has like the Onitsu Tiger shoes. Like it shows yeah. her whenever she busts in. I'm just like, oh, she's dope. I, I I don't know. I just love the graphic design of Clint's like little triangle arrow shirt. We called that out last time, which is kind of echoed on the cover. And then whenever you see the the three girlfriends and the wives, they kind of have this weird like mod look. Like they're 60s. They kind of have like high hair and they look kind of 60s, 70s-ish. I just thought the attention to detail and the way they dressed and just everything about it. Again, lived in, awesome design, loved it. What do you got next? Just It just felt like it was really well thought out. All their stuff, like they had really th thought 
let's just explore what would Kate wear. And they probably just had long conversations that might not have even led to anything we actually saw on the page, but that kind of stuff really does pay off. Okay, my next one, I'm calling it the L.A. Noir Award. This is another awesome spread, and it's the cop turned private eye or no he's a reporter yes he's a crime reporter that's what he was that she meets and he's kind of helping her as she's getting her pi business off the ground but this is him recapping his um life and you know it's just got all these awesome kind of la noir vibes him looking out over a canyon there's him investigating some raves um there's a hilarious reference to bjork a drawing of bjork there's like a vampire chasing him you see a close up just of someone's eyes it almost has this cascading effect and that's going down the page in sort of a um sunlight uh sunset hues and it reminded me you know of just an incredible noir story and it almost even has a little some vibes of a a drew struzan poster even yeah yeah but i'm gonna give that the la noir award la noir award um i think we talked about it a little bit with the clown as well but these just kind of Backstories all with art. You know what I mean? That page tells so much about that guy and his life as a PI, all the things he's investigated, freaking vampires, supernatural, all the shit that he's been through. And you can just do so much with that. And it's kind of like these flashback sequences you would see in film. But um, whenever then whenever you portray it so flowy and the way it bleeds into each other is beautiful. Great page. My next is our boy Francesco Francavilla, and he is. This is the issue, which is the sort of clown origin story, Kazi. And there's one moment because he's like a rich, uh, he's a rich dude who's a developer, and he's trying to. He's one of the guys trying to buy out the apartment building, the apartment block that they live in. And here he's mixing and matching with Kate Bishop, and it's Kate Bishop and Kazi. They kind of meet in their civilian. They don't know who each other are. It's kind of a weird romantic scene. But the colors of this, I'm looking at a 12-page grid whenever they're up in this uh, loft and the sunset is streaming through the windows. And the line work is so clean as well. It looks like those kind of like 80s posters um, that you would kind of see. Like I feel like I see them a lot in like thrift stores and stuff like that. There's just It's a certain vibe and these pinks and blues and neon Again, the sun is coming through. That's going to win the best colors. Francesco Francavilla always kills it with colors, but that's the best of this book. I loved it. That's it. Adam, what do you got next? I love that color panel. Almost like, yeah, 80s is perfect. A little maybe Miami Vice. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. Um, The next one I'm going to give is to... One page on that uh, that dog issue. I'm going to call this the Dog Days Award. <laughs> I just thought it was such a, a fun storytelling device. And Blaney mentioned that they would use all these icons to kind of tell the story. And one of them is um, all the scents that people have. Mm, yes. You know, Lucky, Lucky the Pizza Dog, he'll have these little grids that connect everything that you did. So he sees Clint walking out with, uh, I don't know who this woman is. But um, they both have different smells. Like Clint has a little like a shaving kit icon and then he's got a coffee icon and she's got like a lipstick icon and they both have a car icon. And uh, I just thought that was great. But my favorite panel on the page 
comes after Clint turns around and he says to Lucky Dog, keep an eye on the place, which is, you know, Lucky Dog can only barely understand it. But then the next panel is uh, uh, Pizza Dog bringing his paw up to his. Oh, yes. Giving giving him a little salute. Yeah. Yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was great. I thought that was hilarious, so I give it my Dog Days Award. Uh, what you got? What you got, Blaine? God, that issue's so good. Um, my, uh, my award is the Rio Bravo Award, otherwise known as the Gearing Up Award. And the last arc is called Rio Bravo, which I guess is a Western movie that I haven't seen, Adam. But it's this kind of trope in movies and television where the hero gets the civilians' help, and you know what? All the civilians are gonna band together and we're going to barricade the doors. We're going to board up the windows. We're going to help out, you know, by any means necessary. And so you see this long, you know, think of it, you break it down into three columns here. The middle column is just this red, which says Rio Bravo, kind of in this Western font. And you just see the apartment complex. Again, the apartment complex being a character. And all on the side is just a series of panels, all silhouettes, black uh, silhouettes with yellow backdrop. And it's all the people, the girl tuning up her bike, somebody hammering boards, lifting furniture downstairs, people getting the cars to pack it up and head home. And then the last one's getting out the boomerang arrow. And I just love that moment because it's just, again, using that sort of trope, using that sort of get the civilian's help. And it's just portrayed so beautifully. There's two colors on this. It's black, yellow, and red. Two colors, one black. That's all you need. It's incredible. Just goes to show you this sort of confident storytelling, confident artwork. It really does miles. You can do simple things and make them complex. Yes. I love it. I love love that. I love the Western nod too, especially because it was. It's a stand it's a showdown. Yes. He's got to get the whole apartment to help him basically. I didn't even think about that and make that connection, but that's, yeah, that's such an obvious connection and they nailed it. Yeah. The posse's coming in their vans, their track suits. I, I, I love the tracksuit Dracula's yeah. too. Like the bro. It's a Western. I didn't even realize it. Yeah. It's a Western. Yeah, it is. Uh, I love Westerns. Okay. My next one. We're just flying through these art awards, guys. This is great. Extended art award. I'm glad you guys are here for this. Absolutely. So this next one. I'm calling this, this is a little, I'm going to give you a little backstory about old ad man. This is called the, I saw this award and I'll tell you the panel and then I'll tell you when I saw it. So this is when his brother Barney has come to help him out. And, um, the tracksuit Dracula's have gotten into the building and they're holding some kids hostage. And one of them is up against a window, but behind the window we see, Two hands smashing oh, through the yes. glass. We hear a huge, it says cash as yes. the glass breaks. And from behind the window, Barney has been climbing the um, fire escape. And he pulls this bad guy away from the kid that he's been holding hostage out the window behind him. Amazing. I'm calling this the I Saw This Award because I work in film and television a little bit. My very first job was on a Hillary Swank kind of thriller called The Resident, and there's this awesome scene where the bad guy who's a landlord, Hilary Swank, is the resident. He smashes through her bathroom mirror and grabs her, 
by the neck and I got to watch the stunt. I remember my boss was like, oh, they're doing this awesome stunt today. Yeah. Got to go down and watch it. And it was just one of my first little tastes of the Hollywood life yeah. of what, you know, an awesome stunt can be like and seeing all these professionals just at the top of their game, executing on the highest level, breaking through mirrors. I loved it. I saw this award. Dude, little ad man backstory. I'm loving it. Dude, I, I like Barney too. Uh, I like yeah. how they don't trust each other. They have shared trauma. You know, we got a little taste of back home. And then again, whenever he died in quotation marks at the very end there, you feel it and you feel for Clint. And then he, go ahead. You have something? Well, I have a question. Then he what? Then he escapes. Then he he takes the money, doesn't he? Yeah. If I remember, he takes the money and he gets away with, and and that's what Clint expected. He's like, Barney's going to sneak out and not help us. And he gets away with a single mother and the kids. And he's, you know, family man out on a boat. And he's like, Clint will never find us. Right? Isn't that how it ends? Yeah, that is how it ends. Does he, is he paralyzed now? Oh, yeah, I think so. I forgot about that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. Um. All right. Adam, why don't you take this last one? We kind of had a shared last one. I don't have a good name for this award. Can can you take our last art award here? I'll take the last one. We both loved this. This was at the very end. Was this the last page of the entire book? Yes. Yeah, it was. I wanted to call... So this three panels, powerful, confident storytelling like we've been talking about, no words, no no dialogue, I should say, no narration. First panel... Clint and Kate, they're down in the basement. They're arming their bows with arrows. Second panel, they're in just in a silhouette, just black silhouettes against a purple backdrop. Yes. Cocking back the arrows, and it says in the little script below, a Clint Barton slash Kate Bishop yes. comic book. And then in the last one, the bows are dropping, their hands are dropping, they've shot the arrow. We, we don't see them shoot the arrow, but it's down, and it's you kind of get a bam, bam, one, two, three moment. And I'm calling that the sticking the landing award, because to me, that felt like that awesome moment when you see a movie and you're just waiting for that cut to credits, and it says, boom, you know, Captain America, or whatever it is, and you finally get that cathartic release, and all you can do is just start clapping, and I really love that. So I am calling it the Sticking the Landing Award. What did you? What else did you like about that page, Blaine? Well, hold on, Adam, because I have another award. It's called Sticking the Landing Part 2 Award, because that was actually the second to last page, because then (laughs) the last page, let me narrate here, you see a, a horizontal panel with two arrows flying by Matt Fraction and David Aha. And then you see the silhouette of a target. It's a human target. And you see with Matt Hollingsworth and Chris Elupuelos. Let me you know, per- forgive me for that. And you see the knocks of the arrows flying past. And then it zooms in on the human target where you see the X. And then it just fades to black because it keeps zooming in. And it just says end. And again... Just like what you said, it's a continuation. It's the curtains coming down. It's just the moment of they are together. They are a team. And here we are at the end. It features all the creators. So cinematic, so beautiful, minimal colors, just purples and blacks. Love it. Love it. And they're just, they're back to practice. Yep. Just another day at the office. Yeah. Covered in bandages. And, you know, I talked about costumes. He doesn't wear the horned 
goofy Hawkeye thing in this. He's just always like in jeans and a t-shirt or, you know, wearing a suit sloppily. And God, I just love those guys. I'm, I'm a Hawkeye fan now, I got to say. Yeah, I am also Team Hawkeye. Team Hawkeye, baby. All right. Hawk guy. Hawk, team Hawk guy and Team Hawk girl. Last bit, we are going to move over to Adaptation Alley. We're going to take a stroll. We're going to take a stroll to talk about the upcoming MCU television series. Adam, you lead us in Adaptation Alley conversation. Well... You know, a lot of these Marvel properties are starting to get developed today, and if you're in the Avengers, you should get your own standalone story, right? Apparently they were going to make a Hawkeye movie, um, but I think that was before they sort of got everything figured out with Disney+, Plus. and at some point along the way, they approached Jeremy Renner about pivoting it to a TV series, so we've got a Hawkeye series coming down the line, and a big part of the reason that we picked this run is because... The rumors, the buzz on the internet at large, are pointing to the idea that this might be a big basis for what we see in this Hawkeye TV series. And I think a large part of it is going to be about him passing on the mantle to Kate Bishop. They've got Haley Steinfeld in it, who you might know from True Grit or some of her other things. She also does some singing. She's kind yeah. of a pop star. In Edge of 17. Right. Yep. I love Edge that movie. 17. And um, she's obviously just, you know, got a lot of talent and is only a rising star yes. with a lot of uh, a lot of potential in her future. So Disney did a really good job nabbing her. This was also set up a little bit in Black Widow. Spoiler alert. But at the end of Black Widow, there's a scene with Yelena Belova and Count... Countess Valentina. De, De La Fontaine. Fontaine. Yeah, there we go. I knew we'd get there. Basically, she, she says that Hawkeye, she tells the Black Widow, the new Black Widow, Elena Belova, that um, Hawkeye is responsible for uh, Natasha's death, which is technically true. Yeah, not, not a lie. So that's going to be a factor. I wonder what else will be translated from this series. Yeah. They, have seen um, people have seen some photos of a a cute looking puppy on yes. set. So we think that Lucky the Pizza Dog Hell is yeah. definitely going to be in there. It's supposed to be set. I've heard around Christmas time, and it's being released right before Christmas. It comes out at the end Perfect. of November. So I think it's going to have serious Christmas vibes. The one Christmas um, part of this story I think was super fun. Is out of all these things, out of all the things in this story that you liked, is there anything blame, or I, I should say, what would you most want to see in the Hawkeye series? Is there a character or, I don't know, a moment or any a storyline that you would love more than anything else? Um, just the grounded nature of it. I want Hawkeye to live in New York on the street reality. I am a huge fan of the street level work at MCU and DC or at Marvel. So Daredevil is one of my favorites. I like Iron Fist whenever he's, sometimes he's off doing mystical adventures, but sometimes he's just in New York City. Um, But I love the Defenders. I love Luke Cage. I love the dudes who just have real lives. And that's what was my favorite part about this. And I don't want an end of the world event I want tracksuit Draculas. 
I thought they were hilarious, right? And then you could bring in Madame Mask if you want kind of like a super, you know, like a a really like flamboyant baddie. You could bring in Madame Mask. You could even bring in the clown. But to me, I think I would just really like to see they're on the streets, they're hailing cabs, they're going to the vet, they're busing into strip clubs, they're doing that just boots on the ground New York thing. I don't want them to be globe trotting, uh, running across rooftops sort of thing. You know, I, I like the lived yeah, in I, approach, living in an apartment. I agree. Totally agree. And I think that was one of the best things about this series, about Hawkeye in general, we have a lot of superheroes that have fantastical powers, so it's always refreshing when they can make one work that doesn't have any of those powers. They can make them interesting, just as dynamic as Superman, as Spider-Man. How how much do you think it'll it'll be a Kate Bishop story versus a Clint Barton story? I think it'll be... I think it'll be a little bit more of a Clint Barton story at this point in the fact that that the passing the mantle will be a big part of it. Because I think we're at the point in the MCU where they're really trying to usher in the next generation Mm -hmm. of actors. Mm -hmm. um, And it just makes sense that this would be the way they do it with Hawkeye uh, and a good way to set it up for Hawkeye to potentially come back, you know, in a smaller role as a mentor figure. But I would imagine that this one, they focus on Hawkeye because we still have a Hawkeye story to tell, and he hasn't had his own standalone right. story. He hasn't even really had a lot of of plot in the MCU movies. They gave him the stuff with his family. I think Age of Ultron. Big, yeah, yeah. He and had I the most story they, in that one. I think. Well, I think part of that is probably because you know Jeremy Renner was crushing it, rising like more than a rising star at that point. He had done the Hurt Locker, and they probably wanted more for his character to do he probably wanted more for his character to do and so they gave him this family backstory and now i think it's a really good opportunity to see more about his character i think we're gonna get some ronin some of the really we'll get to explore yeah i've heard some stuff about ronin being in the mix maybe there's a i don't know if they'll do some flashback but i would not be surprised if we get some um scenes from the uh the the uh, what do they call it the blip yes whenever, oh yes the everyone, blip the blip when everyone disappears and he was just doing his Ronin thing so I, I think that'll all be in there I love Haley Steinfeld I, I think she is fantastic and after reading this I hope they borrow a lot of characterization from this for Clint but my hopes is that it's a Haley Steinfeld Kate Bishop story. Uh, of this of the show just because i i really fell in love with her and then i know like the theories are this is leading going to be leading to a young avengers because you have you know a new falcon um you have the patriot you have uh wanda's kids who are on the young avengers and you can start building that team you have the black widow you have that next generation and i'm really just interested in where we're going you're going to have to join us for our Beyond the Panels episode of Hawkeye MCU television series because you better believe we're going to do a recap of that after it all airs. So join us then. That's going to wrap it up for our Hawkeye episode. Follow us online at Comic Club Podcast. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blaine McGaff. 
I am Danger Adam on Instagram. And that's going to wrap it up for this month's episode. Adam? Comic Club out. Comic Club is brought to you from Upper Esh Media. This episode was edited by Adam J. Cook. Our intro and outro music is by Tiger Cup. Katie Livingston at Living Kate designed our logo. If you enjoyed the episode, tell a friend, follow us on social at Comic Club Podcast, and join our Facebook group to continue the conversation online. Remember, everyone, read more comics. Comic Club.